Okay, Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Alright, if you want to start out in the book of John, that's kind of sort of where we're going to be. We're going to go to a whole bunch of places today, but um, I love the book of John. It, it, it might be my favorite New Testament, air quotes for those of you listening, uh, uh, books, because I don't know how much of... So much of what Yeshua says and the way he phrases it is just so powerful and um, just really, I don't know, ministers to my spirit or something. You know what I mean? It's just good. It's just powerful. And there's so many, there's so many solidly biblical doctrinal truths in it that are so vital and so important for today's day and age because we live in an age where... Um, let me say, so, uh, the title of this message, if you want to call it that, is called The Word of God. And I'm going to talk about the Word of God, because to me, it is the, I believe right now, and, and I know it always has been, and it probably always will be, but it's the leading battleground that we have for, for us as believers today. Um, this is nothing new. It's been, you know, sparked a little bit more within me as of late and dealing with some certain things that have come about and, um, and has just kind of reignited my thought process to, to and the need to speak on this because we live in a day and an age where, um, the, the mindset of the world and, and it has crept into much of the uh, believers' thinking today is an evolutionary mindset, an evolutionary way of thinking. And uh, that all comes from the devil. He's the one that said, I will ascend, I will go up. When the reality is, God cast him down. And because sin has entered into creation, into world, into humanity, everything is suffering from entropy because of that. And so, that's why God sent his word, sent his son to redeem those of us who will uh, who, who have believed and so the word of God is 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 the battleground because it has been from the beginning in the in the garden of Eden um, you know the serpent said to Eve yea hath God said and so that has been the pattern from the beginning and it will continue to be the pattern from the beginning uh, or, or as as time goes on until Yeshua returns. And so what I hope to do today is, you know, we're going to talk about some things about the Word of God, why it's so important, why we have to be um, uh, sure in our own hearts and minds of some of the core doctrinal beliefs that the Bible teaches us about itself. Because really when you boil everything down, the Bible, the Word of God, is the only thing we have that tells us anything about God, how to live, and and uh, and and what we have to go on, you know. And if it is not accurate in what it says about itself, then we might as well all go home and do whatever we want, because it is that black and white, and to and. That is not my opinion. That is just reality. Um, and so we need to take that to heart and believers, and especially in the Messianic movement. Um, you know, the devil's not stupid. He is using our 
Um, he, he, he uses our good intent, he helps use our good intentions against ourselves. And so in our efforts to, well-intended to, you know, learn and study and get, get um, deeper meaning, if you want to call it that, just learn more about the Word of God, um, he can lead us down, you know, Alice in Wonderland rabbit holes that lead to chaos. And if we do not have a discerning spirit, and if we are not um, rooted in, in immersing ourselves in the Word of God and burning it into our heart and our minds so that we know it like the back of our hands, He will use us against ourselves and we'll get easily influenced by uh, heretical, apostate, wicked people who have built their lives out of destroying and tearing down the Word of God. And um, unfortunately, many of our uh, quote-unquote Bible churches or synagogues or, you know, Bible teachers and universities have bought into this idea of uh, higher textual criticism. And basically all that means, anytime you hear that textual criticism or any of that, basically it just means you're dissecting the Word of God like a, a frog and pulling it limb from limb, undermining it, tearing it down, and making it of no value, therefore not trustworthy, therefore not reliable, Therefore, why are you doing it, keeping it? You know, God isn't real. Your shoe is not real. You know why? So it's just a never-ending spiral. So we're going to read a little bit in First John. Not First John. Book of John. And then I got to comment a little bit. And, and then we're going to go through a whole bunch of scriptures, um, which hopefully won't be too tedious. But I, I think it's so valuable because we need to know what the God, the, what... Um, what the Bible says about, what God says about his word. Um, so, all right. Yeah. For Book of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. And he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace, and truth. So I'll stop right there. So there's so much in here. And it's and it's I love how John starts out. He basically it's very much a mirror of Genesis in the beginning was you know, God created the heaven and the earth, in the beginning was the word and the word of God and the word was God, and it talks about the light. And it's interesting, many, you know, present day critical uh uh quote-unquote scholars and biblical texts, they really don't like the book of John. I think they don't like the book of John because it validates everything the Bible says about itself. 
And if you undermine it and take it away and say, well, John, you know, may it come later or, you know, it's unrelated. You know, they say all kinds of terrible things about it. And it's because it so definitively declares God is who he said he is and that he maintains his word and his word maintains everything and Yeshua is the word. And all those things have to be exactly what they are for it all to work harmoniously. Because God has a plan from the beginning to redeem the world. And it's by his word that he's done this. And so, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. So, you have this word that's in the beginning. It was with God. It is God. It's Yeshua. Everything's made by it. It's all kind of the same thing. And really what it is, is we try to mentally uh, parse God into different boxes or into different entities or different beings and really all of these whatever term you want to use these these uh attributes of god the way that god manifests himself or the way that god acts or interacts you know it's all him and and it, and it and so if you if you nullify or you weaken or you take apart any of those parts, you begin to under put cracks in the foundation of who God is, and it and it and it all falls apart, because He says, you know, He's a, He will lay a cornerstone in Zion. You know, He is that cornerstone. If your cornerstone falls apart, or if your cornerstone is lopsided, well, the whole building is lopsided, and then the next the. Uh, uh, a wind of doctrine will blow it right down. And so, it all... So, okay. So the Word of God. It's the only thing God has given us to know about Him. That's it. It's the only thing we have. If it's not reliable, then we have not a leg to stand on. And so, what we believe about it, you know, we have to believe what it says it's... About, about itself, first and foremost. We cannot take at face value what preachers, scholars, or others say about it. You know, that's why the Bereans tested all things against the Scripture to see what they were true. They didn't just take Paul and his word. You know, they tested it. So it reveals God, his nature, his character, Everything about it. Thus, if, and so the Bible says God's perfect, right? So if God is perfect, and he is his word, by nature, his word has to be perfect. It has to be. And it, and not just in the originals. It has to be perfect now. Otherwise, God changes we know what happens when God changes. We all get consumed. <laughs> right? So if God never changes, and His Word never changes, his, his Word never changes, and if His Word is, if He's perfect, His Word is perfect. And it has to be that way, and it has to remain that way forever. We're going to read that. It says it about itself. And, and, and not just in the, you'll hear oftentimes, well, in the original text, you know, it was perfect. Or we had the word of God. And really, if you follow that line of thinking, you know, it was inspired in its originals. And you'll hear that oftentimes, uh, kind of people say that off the cuff, like it's a very light comment. 
That is not a light comment. Because what that means is, if it's only inerrant and inspired in the original, then what do we have now? Well, we've got the telephone game. And we know what happens with that. But see, the thing is, this is not just any book. This is not a book of history written by regular dudes. It's not a book of science that can become go, that you can approach as a, as a book of science and look at it that way and splice it and blah, 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 blah. It's not just a book of literature. It is, it is the living Word of God because He is living. And so we have to grasp and understand that, understand the ramifications of that, and stand on that. Because what's going on today, especially with the, uh, in respect to since the 1800s and the manuscript, fam- these different families of manuscripts that we have, <laughs> and if you follow uh, now, who owns the rights to the, some of these Bible publishing companies? It's, ter- it's wicked. It's terrible. You know, and, and it's all a plan, ploy of the devil to cast doubt, yea, hath God said. Okay, so his word doesn't change. So, the only thing we have is the word of God to know anything about him. It reveals who he is, and because God is perfect, his word has to be perfect. God doesn't change, so neither has his word, and he, will, he maintains it. Yeshua claims to be the word of God. He tells us he's the word of God. So, it's Yeshua... Uh, and the Apostolic Scripture, which oftentimes seems to come under the most uh, ardent attacks, which I find very interesting. Um, you know, and I think the pattern for this even goes back to in the wilderness when they're, uh, when you got the Israelites and Moses, and Moses, um, Moses come down, comes down from the mountain, brings the Ten, ten Commandments. Um, they're traveling through the wilderness. When they have the insurrections that arise, they the insurrections don't rise up and say, we don't like those tablets that are in the tabernacle. Who do they go after? They go after Moses, right? Moses is a picture of the Messiah. When Moses is, is, is used as the law of Moses, Moses said he is a... You know, a picture of the Torah, a picture of the Word of God. He's a picture of the Messiah. And so whenever there rises up this insurrection, it, everybody's always at, you know, gunning for the throat of Moses. And it's the same pattern now, except they're gunning for the throat of Yeshua. And they're gunning for the, the New Testament because, because if you can take apart the, rela- uh, the reliability and the inerrancy of the New Testament... You take apart the reliability and the inerrancy and the perfection and the and, and who Yeshua was and he said he was. If you take away that, then there's no redemption from God. And you're all just left to figure it out and whatever and it's just the cultural it's just cultural whatever. Well, you know, you celebrate what you celebrate and you know Whatever, whatever, you know, idol you want to worship and, you know, you guys do pass over and, you know, it's all just a cultural thing. Well, no, it's not a cultural thing. There's either a God who created everything or there isn't. <laughs> and, he, and, and he either gave us his word or he didn't. And if he did, and he's perfect, and his word is perfect, and he's forever, and his word's forever, 
then we have to we have to be able to back that up. You know, we as believers have to be able to um, have something to stand on. And what's happened with ever since the eighteen hundred when Westcott and Hoare came out with their new Greek um, uh, uh, translation from a from corrupt bodies of manuscripts, that's where uh, I believe you had two trees split. Because one was a mixture, and the other was the pure stream that's per- tree that's preserved by God. So, what is the serpent? What is God or uh, the devil? What does he always do? What what is and even today? What has always happened? And wow, how is it under attack? They always the pattern is it's always seeking to cast doubt on the word of God. Yea, hath God said. You know, it's interesting to me that the serpent didn't say, um, he, didn't, he didn't make a statement. He asked a question. Did God really say that? Which is, it's so much more powerful than if he had said, oh, God's a liar, come with me. Hmm. You know, Eve would have just been like, what? Get out of here. But but it was subtle, right? And what subtle means is, it's interesting, it's not, as we tend to think of something subtle as like hidden, but what it is is something wrong and wicked actually in the open. Something that should be hidden, but it's actually in the open. Because what he did was he, he, he cast doubt on the word of God. So we need to remember too that there are enemies of the word of God. You know, we are warned all throughout um, we're from, well, we're going to get to that. Okay, so there are enemy, enemies for the, uh, of the word of God. And there is a continuing battle and there has been since the beginning of for the word of God. The serpent in the wilderness is a perfect example. Um, you've got... Um, False prophets, and you guys want to turn, you can, but I'm, you know, don't. But if we go to, we're going to see that in Peter, if I can get there. So we're going to go to Second Peter. Second Peter 2, 1 through 3. But there were false prophets also among the people. You know, since they came out of Egypt, there were false prophets. Those who spoke as if they spoke for God, but were not speaking for God. Even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. That's just so powerful. And I know we've all read this a million times, but there were false prophets. There's going to be false teachers. They'll bring in damnable heresies. They'll deny the Lord that brought them. They'll bring destruction on themselves. Many are going to follow them. 
So what is, I, I tend to think like many are going to follow them. What does that mean, many are going to follow them? I think that means the majority of, of, of people are going to follow them personally. Because, he's got, because he didn't say some are going to follow him. A little bit's going to follow him. Is it many are going to follow him? And because of that, the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness, they will fain wor- uh, with feign words make merchandise of you. <laughs> uh, it's so true. It's so true. So much of, 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 you know, these churches and these ministries are making merchandise of the Word of God. There are, there are, Completely law, uh, there are charities run by complete lost people who run their charities better and more honestly than, than many churches and ministries do. I was listening to one yesterday. The guy, he wants 100% of the donations go to, uh, to his char- char- the, the charity. Like He built wells for water. Even if you, if you donate with a credit card, you know, you donate 100 bucks. Three bucks of the credit card. So what he does is he has backdoor nameless donors who put up all the money for the computers, flights, operations, and even to chip in that three hundred bucks. So when somebody donates a hundred bucks, a hundred dollars actually goes there. So he actually runs two charities, really. And he said at this point, uh, their weekly operational costs are a million dollars, and. So you imagine how much they're actually, how much, so in other words, my point is, you know, uh, wiser are the sons of the world than the, than the, I don't, I'm butchering, uh, than the children of the kingdom, or something like that, I'm butchering the verse, but, they're making merchandise of us, folks, and people need to see that, if, if someone's listening to this, that, be, be a skeptic, be a critic, don't believe everything, be leery of who you listen to. Be leery of who you trust. And the only, but the only way you can do that is if you have a working knowledge of the Word of God. Because it's the only measuring stick. And if you're devoid of knowledge of the Word of God, or, and God's Spirit even, <laughs> you're not going to be able to, ha- be able to um, discern, to, to judge, to weigh what people say. This is huge. It's huge. And God has not good things to say for those who trifle with his word. We're going to get into that a little bit. Okay, so the battle for the word. The serpent in the beginning. He cast out. He just asked a mere question. There's false prophets in the wilderness. There's going to be false teachers now. Uh, during Yeshua's time, and what he was having to deal with was uh, many of the false teachings of, of uh, the Jewish leadership of the day, what eventually became known as the Oral Torah, the adding to of God's Word, the taking away. You would bake for commit, uh, uh, your teach. What am I trying to say? You have uh, uh, commandments, the commandments of men. Yeah, exactly. They made they turned their own traditions into the, you know on par with the commandments of God, which was not to be done. 
So this battle for the word, okay? Why? So again, the battle for the word was on, was happening then. Eventually, as time went on, you had the Inquisition, which was all about controlling who had the word of God. They didn't want them to have the word of God. Millions of people died because of it. Now, in our present day, uh, because you have these two streams of and families of manuscripts, and the battle continues there, uh, whether, you know, from there's the, the tree of the received text, and then there's the tree of these... Um, uh, Vaticanus and I picture this one. The Alexandrian, exactly. And so, um, one's true and one's corrupt. You got to decide which one it is, because I listened to the testimony of one of the leading, quote unquote, by the world standards, uh, New Testament critics and scholars that there is today. He gave his quote unquote testimony how he supposedly was a believer, born again. Uh, went off to Moody Bible College. Uh, his name's Bert, uh, uh, Dr. Bert Ehrman. Uh, he's at, um, I forget the school down in. But don't go to his website. Don't read his stuff. He's a wicked apostate man that all he does is try to tear down the authority of the Word of God. And the reason is, and he said it, and he gave his own testimony when he was on the radio. He said he went to Bible college. He started studying these uh, corrupt manuscripts texts, and because of the problems in there, it led him to believe that they weren't trustworthy, that there was contradictions, thus God can't be trusted, and now he believes none of it's true and it's all basically made up. Doesn't believe First uh, Timothy was written by Paul. Doesn't believe Yeshua rose from the... Nothing. Nothing. And this is a guy who is held up by some of our messianic, messianic leaders as a wonderful Greek exegete. What in the world does the Greek exegete mean? It means to um, interpret the scripture. If this is someone who we're holding up saying he can interpret scripture for us, we're lost. He cannot interpret scripture from us. You know, I got into a debate someone on Facebook as to whether or not you can understand the meaning of scripture with or with, without the Spirit of God. I contend that you cannot. And I will give you a verse as an example. You want? Go to, um, go to the very end of Luke. And verse 45 of chapter 24. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. I rest my case. <laughs> you know, it's not... Like I said, this isn't just any regular old book. We're not dealing with... Uh, regular... Uh, a matter of, you know... Regular science, you know, like the Bible can be looked at uh, and textual criticism, you know, from a scientific standpoint. It's all subjective. And so when you have lost, wicked people dissecting the Word of God from their unsaved, lost perspective, where do you think conclusion they're going to come to? Of course they're going to cast doubt on it. Especially when you have these manuscript families that come from... Uh, the Holy Roman Church, of course they want to undermine the Word of God. So, 
my point in all of this is there's a battle being waged and we cannot be naive about this. And we have to hold fast to the truths of Scripture. It's inerrant, it's infallible, and it's forever. So we're going to read through some passages that, uh, that talk about this for us. So um, you can just listen or you can go to me if you want. First one is in James chapter 1. One twenty-one through twenty-five. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity and naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any, for if any be a diver, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straight. Um, make sure I get to my verse. Uh, okay, yep. Straightway forgetteth the manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So the word of God is the perfect law of of liberty, okay? And that's in the New Testament. <laughs> and he didn't say, only part of it's the perfect law of liberty. All things are perfect law of liberty. And it's not, and um, it is a law of liberty because it gives life. And because only God's words and his ways and his commandment set you free. Everything else is slavery to sin. Okay. Now we're going to go back kind of to the beginning and work our way through Deuteronomy 4. Verse 2. Start in verse 1. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which Jehovah, God of your fathers, giveth you. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of Jehovah your God, which I command you. Alright, and then Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. And he humbled thee and suffered thee, to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know that he may make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of Jehovah doth man live. That's what gives life, is the word of God. Alright, and Deuteronomy 18.20. But the prophet, which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the manner of other gods, even that prophet shall die. So, if you presume to speak in the name of God, in his word, and you're not, the penalty is death. There's serious consequences for editing, changing, adding to, or diminishing what God has said. It's a death penalty. All right, Psalm. I got a bunch in Psalms. It's 30, uh, 33, 4, verse 4. For the word of Yehovah is right, 
and all his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of Yehovah. By the word of Yehovah were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Can you see what the word, what the what the Bible says about the word? And again, keep in mind the concept of the word is God. God is the word. Yeshua is the word. word. Yeshua is the word. Yeshua is God. Okay? There's no cracks in this. The word of Yehovah is right. The word of Yehovah. By, by the word of Yehovah were the heavens made. Okay? Okay, 119.68. Thou art good. Uh, Did I get this wrong? Forever settle. That's no, not the right no, I have the wrong, I've written down wrong. But anyway, it's the, war, the verse where it says, uh, I might be able to find it. It's forever a word that is that, uh, the word is settled in heaven. Okay, that's the worst verse I was looking for. And then... And then in 160, 119, 160, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. So he's covering this, the gamut there. Thy word is true from the beginning. Every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. It either is or it isn't. There's no middle ground. Ah. Oh. Horrible things that are said about the Word of God. It's just abominable by wicked men who have not the Spirit of God in them to know how to discern anything. Okay. Uh, let's go to 138, Psalm 138, verse 2. Nope. Oh, so if I get the right chapter. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's pretty serious. So if God is magnifying his word above his name, and when he says name there, the idea of the name, his name is his character. It's his very nature of who he is, and he magnifies his name above that. Of course it has to be perfect. Um, now let's go to Proverbs. Or actually, let's stay in Psalm, but go back to uh, chapter 12. Is that what it is? 119.89, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Yeah. So his word is settled in heaven. Forever. This, this one's great. I love this one. This is such an important verse. Uh, chapter 12 of Psalms and verses um, 6 and 7. The words of Yehovah are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. It's great. But this next verse is great. Thou shalt keep them, O Yehovah. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation 
forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. It just just paints the picture of um, what it is on earth, you know? with the wicked walking on every side. It's like it's like you have the word of God preserved and protected that God's keeping safe and and like outside that nucleus of safety is just like ravenous evil men trying to pull it all apart. But they can't cuz God protects it because it's settled in heaven. It's been true from the beginning and it will endure forever. Amen. <laughs> like my own preaching. <laughs> ah, okay. Uh Proverbs. We'll go to Proverbs 13, verse 13. I don't tend to do this a lot, you know, going through tons of passages, but it's important when it comes to this. Proverbs 13, 13. Whoso despiseth the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. I mean, I've not much to add to that. <laughs> Whoso despises the word shall be destroyed, but he that feareth the commandment shall be rewarded. God, hallelujah, honestly. Gosh, if, if God were not just, I would just quit. All right. Uh, now, let's go up to John. We're going we're gonna to spend a little bit in John. This book I love so much, chapter 5, is where we're going to go. And um, I'm going to start in 37, and this is Yeshua speaking. Okay, 37, we're going to go through the end of John 5. And the Father himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent him, ye believe not. See, the scholars hate the book of John because it validates eight ways from Sunday everything Yeshua said about himself and that he did claim to be God, he did know he was God, and he did know he was the Messiah, but they don't like that. And so they said, well, John is probably a pseudo-something or other, you know, wail and gnash my teeth, I'm a retard. <laughs> So, don't believe him. Okay. You know, and this is why it just makes me want to pull my hair out when we have our own messianic people and leaders telling us that some of these wicked, apostate, heretic, vile men that gnash their teeth on every side who spend their lives devoted to unraveling the word of God and they have students come in they write blogs people pay for their blogs they write blogs five to six times a week a thousand times a post all of it to undermine the word of God and then we get on Facebook and we say this man's a great exegete I say lie no he is not and you cannot say that he is antichrist he is Against the Messiah. And for us to lend our hand to that, ah, just makes me like, get the chills thinking about that. God, you know, 
He destroys those who cast doubt on his word. You know, so we cannot fall into this trap of trying to be scholarly and high-minded and we're, you know, uh, uh, all textually, you know, savvy too. And so we have to bow at the altars of these scholars and critics, you know, who just, all they do is tear apart the word of God and everything it stands for can't have any part of that you know he doesn't understand the word of god he doesn't know the meaning of the word of god and he cannot exegete throw around these stupid fancy words so nobody knows what you're talking about interpret the word of god for us i made myself clear <laughs> so john all right i didn't even get through where i was back to john 37 okay 38, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 5, verse 38. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Which he's saying, he's essentially saying, in them is eternal life. But only because I'm in there. And they speak of me, but you don't believe me. So you don't believe the scriptures. 40, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know ye that I but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you'll receive. How can ye believe? which receive honor one from another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only. Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom you trust. <laughs> for had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings... How shall you believe my words? I don't know how you misinterpret what he's trying to get across there. You know. I love this book. I love it. I love it. All right, chapter 12. 48. Um... Well, 48, but I think we're going to start in uh, verse uh, 42. So, uh, John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of, of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. <coughs> For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Yeshua cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. <laughs> Again, of course Yeshua is claiming, whatever you want to call it, deity, that he's God, that he's the Messiah. He that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. That's pretty plain, plain. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me 
and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. See, his words have to be perfect. What we have recorded about Yeshua, the words that are written in the New Testament, Apostolic Scriptures, from the Tanakh, Psalms, everything, it has to be perfect because it is the standard which all is judged by. For I have not spoken to myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say, and what I should speak. And I know that this commandment is life everlasting. Whoever I, uh, whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. All right. Continuing on, we got just a few more here. Uh, chapter 14, verse 24. He that loveth me not, he that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the words which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. I mean, 23, right before that, Yeshua answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto him and make our abode with him. You know, the salvation and his word and the reliability of it, it's all woven together and it's inseparable. Because it's that, we'll go back to John, but it's that word which makes you a son of God. Born not of flesh or of blood, but of the word of God. Which is his seed. Which when planted in your heart, you're born again, you're a new tree you're grafted into a new vine, and so you make new fruit now. Not of your old Adamic nature and human ways, but of God's seed and His Word. But if His Word is mutated, if it's hybridized, if it's changed, what's it going to produce? Well, if it's a Monsanto seed, nothing. Or corruption, mutation. That's what those other families and manuscripts are. They're corrupt. They're mutations. They are um, uh, I can't think of the word I want to say. That's okay. Alright, carrying on. 14.24 of John. Oh, I read that already. Okay. Uh, 15 verse 3. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Well, let's back up. 15 verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it might bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now that's a powerful statement. Either he's speaking for God, the words of God, or he's not. No, he's either just a raging lunatic. Which, you know, anyway. All right, continue. Uh, back to chapter 8. And verse 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Yeshua to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And they answered and said, they answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Yeshua answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. 
and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word has no place in you. So that seed, the word is the seed, you know, and it's all it's all one. It all comes it's all part and parcel together. Alright, seventeen, seventeen, we're almost done. Two more. Uh you guys all know this one. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. You know, if we are sanctified through truth and sanctified through his word, it has to be perfect. Because it is who he is. It is Yeshua. Revelation 19, wrap it up. 19, verse 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Talking about he who sat on the throne. So... <coughs> that's about the gist of what I have to say hang on a second <laughs> um, but if you remember anything remember that the word of God is everything it must be exactly what it says it is forever inerrant in, inspired pure trustworthy profitable for doctrine and reproof all of it Generation, gener Genesis to Revelation. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. But you need to know for yourself that. And you have to trust and believe that. Because it is His Word in us that saves us and transforms us and makes us a new create creation. Created in Him unto good works. Yes. So like we talked about, I mean, God says He'll, he'll preserve His Word. Right? And it's all throughout the scriptures. And so we believe that God preserves the universe from the tiniest, smallest, unthing, whatever seen thing there is, to everything that's visible. And that he holds it together by the power of his words. Right. So God can preserve everything, but we're told he can preserve basically everything except his word. <laughs> and, and, and hence that's where we are with Bible translations, which goes back to what you said the split in 1800s. You know, before that there was this one stream of manuscript fan, but now all of a sudden credence has been given to this other side, the Alexandrian, and born out of that are all these variants, and now we have these gazillion variants, supposedly. Now we're finding Dead Sea Scrolls, which supposedly shed greater light. So now we're dependent upon these Bart Erdmans of the world, these scholars, to ferret through all of this malaise and this mess to tell us what the pure word of God may or may not be. And you have various editions of the text, Greek texts that they have made. Now we have all these translations. And so we're relying upon now textual critics right. to tell us what the word of God is. However, not all, but some, like referred to in this website that we're referring to, one of the more famously read messianics, who, who is holding up Bart Erdman. Okay, so Bart Ehrman, by his own testimony, says that he's lost. Yeah. Never was saved, now he's lost. Now, if you take just simple basic scriptures like um, 
Paul says, who is a Jew, if any man love not Yeshua Messiah, let him be anathema. Right. So means cut off, do away with, not get close to, but get rid of this guy. He's he's no good. And um, and so you have Paul who uh, is a Jew saying, listen, get away from all of this stuff that is just bad. Right. You know, it's anathema. Right. And so it's so sad that we have no word of God in print anymore, basically. Yeah. We, we really don't. And that's where the battle for this King James thing is not a battle about King James translation. It's a battle of the family of manuscripts. Right, right. You know, and which is everything that we've talked about. And you've taken a big stand publicly in relation to, no, we're not going to follow the Bart Ehrmans of this world. Yeah, it's... They are it's a, uh, yeah, to follow that and to subscribe to that family of man, the Alexandrian family of manuscripts as authoritative and the oldest and quote unquote most accurate is just a house of cards. And I tell you, if you subscribe to that, you automatically sit yourself at the feet of these higher textual critics. And they are not dumb people. And, and most of our, our average Messianic or Christian person out there would be deconstructed piece by piece by one of these people because it's all built on sand. And so if the foundation's been destroyed, what can the righteous do? Nothing! Because you're playing in their arena and they will eat you alive. And that's why we have to uh, we have to stand on the pure family of manuscripts, the received texts, which is currently the only Bible that I know of, uh, predominantly anyways, at least, uh, is, it the, is it the King James? All the other modern translations use um, this other stream of manuscripts, and uh, uh, edition after edition, they change things that... Uh, and the Burt Edelmans of the world will tell you straight up, honestly, that some of these changes that have been made affect doctrine hugely. He knows that. That's why he doesn't believe anything in the Bible anymore, because he sees that if these are the family manuscripts, Alexandrian family manuscripts is the family and there's all these problems and variations and things that can be read and there's there's no continuity in it. It's not trustworthy. And so, yet we try to, we not not me, but there are those in our movement and in Christianity, Christianity pretty much wholesale has bought into this uh, family of manuscripts, but it's happening in the Messianic movement too. And... Because we want to play ball in the scholarly world and be not be seen as too weird and out there anymore because it's just, you know, been widely accepted that these are the oldest, best texts. Um, it undermines the foundation of everything what we, we, we claim to stand and believe on. And uh, people from the outside who listen to, unbelievers, who listen to someone like Edelman or airmen, I'm sorry, and then listen to our Bible teachers, both claiming to be reading the same from the same family of manuscripts, 
you know, the unbeliever looks at it and says, how can anyone believe that? There's so many problems. There's so many errors. It's so unreliable. And they're right to think that, because it is. So that's why we just need to say, no, we're not, we're not, we don't, we don't get our validation from the world. We don't get our validation from, you know, prominent uh, theological scholars. I think a positive out of all this is this wasn't really, you wouldn't have had to preach a sermon in the 1700s or the early 1800s yeah. because this was not an issue. But the, the exciting thing to me is since, like you said today, Satan has cast doubt on the word God from the beginning, to me this tells me that he's ratcheting up his tactics because the end of the end is now in play. And so he has to up the ante because his time is running out. Yeah. And it talks about he knows when his time is running out, he knows that he needs to accentuate his tactics. Yeah. So yeah. what he has done since the 1800s, which it really didn't play until really probably the 1950s and on in the 60s, where it really came to fruition and yeah. took a hold. To me, this is exciting because the end is approaching. Satan is real. He's pulling out his trump card, which is attack the word of God. And then he knows that he can get stupid believers to jump on this bandwagon and do his bidding for him. Hence, all these translations, which you started to allude to, that are owned by Rupert Murdoch. The <laughs> NIV, and I forget the rest. Of it, it's, it's bad. It's um, Thomas Nelson. Thomas Nelson. Nelson um, oh, uh, some other. Yeah, and Zondervan. Yeah. Nelson yeah. and Zondervan. You know, and yeah, so, these are all owned by people who are enemies of the yeah. Word of God. You and, know. and when these new translations came out, like New American Standard, NIV, and the New King James, because our mindset was we had the Word of God for 400 years that never changed, well, when the first New American comes out, well, that's going to be it. No, there's umpteen revisions. When the new right. NIV comes out, well, that'll be it. No, there's umpteen revisions. When the uh, New King James comes out, oh, that'll be it. No, it's umpteen revisions. Right. When the English Standard Version comes out, that's it. No, there's umpteen revisions. Right. This never never ends. ends. And on top of it, it's getting it's moved. Now all these translations are moving towards. Um, I forget the technical terminology, but it doesn't matter. Uh, <coughs> instead of being a quote unquote literal translation, now it's what's try let's just try to dynamic get the meaning equivalent yeah dynamic equivalent let's just get the meaning across well the meaning according to who right according to their preconceived notions and beliefs so if you are a scholar who doesn't believe any of it it's just true and you just think it's a mythical story that some dudes made up from cobbled together from all over who knows wherever well that's going to come across in the meaning isn't it yes, it has to. and and the, and talking about making merchandise of believers, the Bible is the number one selling book of history every year since it's gone into print. It's been the number one selling book. Is big money in it. Okay, right. So, anyway, but on a positive note, the truth is God has preserved his word and he will preserve it for Ever because it is who he is. Because Paul says to Timothy, from a child, you've known the Holy Scriptures. Well, they didn't have any originals. Of course, it's, you know, the Old Testament. But there right. were no originals. They right. were copies of copies. Copies of copies. 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 Right. No problem. And God, 
you know, it's interesting, like you said, the, the argument is really on the New Testament side. It's not on the Old Testament because you can't really argue because Paul said, from a child, you know the Holy Scriptures. End of story. So they leave that alone, and then now they make merchandise with all the, the New Testament scriptures. Right. It's all this New Testament right. thing. Yeah. And because, like what you said, if you can destroy belief in that, because where do you learn about Yeshua? The New there. Testament. Yes. And, 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 and I believe... Obviously, this is just one part of the reason I believe for the importance of the New Testament is God knew how important it was going to be for such a time as this. In the diaspora, as the times of the redemption came, the clarity that would be needed in the communities because we'd be in exile, He knew that. And so... Boy, you can undermine it and wipe it all out and get people to not believe in it and not believe in Yeshua and go back the old time. Woo! You know, you're just yeah. picking them off like, <laughs> you know, cherries out of a bag. So, but, like I said, the truth is, God wins. Yeah, and, his, and His word will remain and will last for forever. And it will be preserved and He has preserved it and will preserve it. But we need to know it. And um, so, all right, let's close. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, for you, for your word, that you have preserved it and protected it and uh, given it to us and that we can know it and apply it to our lives and have life eternal uh, from it by uh, your redemptive work that you did in going to that uh, tree for us and rising again. And I just thank you for that, God. I just pray that you would um, continue to work in our hearts and our minds to transform us every day to be more like you and more like your word and that we would be bold as we go forth and be a light on a hill and uh, uh, that you would just work, Father. I thank you for this Shabbat in Yeshua's name. Amen.